0: All are welcome here. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach.
1: So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Roach, coming to you from a fairly chilly day, actually, in Fort Worth, Texas, today. We're on the two twenty two twenty twenty two. a lot of twos today, um, I'm going out live, but you may be listening to it as an archive, too. But whichever way you're listening, welcome. Glad you're with us. Today, I personally welcome entrepreneur, author, and coach Michael Taylor to the show. His latest book is entitled, What If Jesus Were a Coach? and looks at uh, powerful life lessons taught by the master teacher, Jesus, Jesus the Christ, as well as insights into Michael's uh, journey and uh, what he considers to be the real truth of Christianity. So it's a pleasure to welcome Michael Taylor, Coach Michael Taylor, to today's show. Welcome, Michael.
2: Hello, Paul. Thank you for having me. So excited about having this conversation. I love talking about the Unity teachings. And of course, with the title of this book, I've had some interviews with some very conservative Christian uh, commentators. And it, it leads to some interesting dialogue, but I know within this context of Unity, this is going to be an amazing conversation.
1: Well, cool, and it's always good to have dialogue with with all um, persuasions, right? We can be in in our own silos if we're not too careful, and and, uh, it's nice to talk to like-minded people, but sometimes we have to extend to, you know, see if there's a commonality even in people who may differ from us, and um, you mentioned uh, you were an atheist uh, in early part of your life, because... A lot of the teachings, uh, you know, especially around the anthropomorphic God, God on a cloud, the angry God of the Old Testament, didn't make sense to you. Um, But I think atheism can actually be a healthy choice sometimes, right? Absolutely. I
2: know for me it was. Now, I have to go back a little bit, though, just to kind of share when my atheism began. (laughs) Because when I was approximately 10 years old, uh, back in the 60s, I remember walking up to my grandfather and I asked him, why was God so mad at black people? And as a kid, you remember, I remember seeing all the civil rights movements and the violence and all of that, and the KKK and all of that. And my, my grandparents were very, very religious people, always talking about Jesus. And I just asked him, so why? And he said, you know, God's not mad at black people. He said, you have to understand this. God has a plan. We may not fully understand the plan, But we have to learn to trust the plan. Now, at about 10 years old, that made absolutely no sense to me because I still couldn't understand why blacks were being so mistreated. But his message kind of stuck with me in that knowing that there was this so-called plan, even as a kid, I wanted to try to figure out what that plan was. And that's kind of when my atheism started. I just started asking myself questions about God.
1: You know, that's a very uh, pertinent uh, question, and it's always a knife edge when we're talking about a plan, right? Because, um, unfortunately, we can excuse a lot of bad behavior in the name of, oh, well, it's all part of the plan, right? Um, We're suffering now, but we're going to have our joy later or whatever. Um, You know, there was a plan in the Holocaust, you know, where all those people had to die for a you know, so people take that in in a different way than maybe it's intended. That there may be a higher, a, a, a divine order to everything, right? But it's difficult to say. Well, you know, you, you ter- you're suffering terribly, or there's this racial hatred and abuse. That's all part of the plan. Um, so how do, how do you how do you approach that with people? Because um, I agree, there it, there is a larger plan. There is a, there is divine order to everything. But it's it's too simplistic sometimes to tell somebody that's, say, going through cancer, well, you know, it's all part of the plan for your life, you know. <laughs> and that's, that's not really helpful to anybody at that stage, right?
2: Yeah. So, So for me, the way I'm able to process it, this is how Michael Taylor sees it. There is a divine intelligence that created and is still creating this amazing universe that we live in. As human beings we are all divine individuations of this divine intelligence. And so in essence there is a purpose to everything. There is a there is a perfect plan if you will that if we will align ourselves with the purpose that the creator set in motion for our lives, then we can look at life from a completely different perspective. My belief is that this divine intelligence is pure love and this pure love can only do one thing which is to love us so when something happens to us it's not that we're being punished it's just that we are being guided to a divine purpose that it is our responsibility to figure out how to get into alignment with that purpose now a lot of times it's very painful it's you know really difficult but if we will trust the idea that there's but one presence and one power in the universe that power is good, that power is love, then there's purpose in everything. And we just have to be willing to open our mind and hearts to figure out how that purpose and how we fit into alignment with that purpose.
1: And, you know, it all comes down to choice, doesn't it? And you talk about this a lot in the book, of course, that, um, you know, you change your your mind, change your consciousness about something, and, and the whole situation changes, right? Because we're no longer conditioning ourselves to a certain outcome, which we may have had before, we're saying, "No, I can. I can think anew here. I have a, the creative power uh, of the divine intelligence, the pure consciousness within me right now, the, which enables me to transform any situation." And you know, in that context, you know, Victor Frankl came up with his um, philosophy of logotherapy, the the practice of logotherapy, based on finding meaning, right, even in the concentration camps. And those that had meaning, those, those that were able to change their minds about their horrible situation, were, um, were blessed. And they often survived, whereas the other, the other folks who, you know, gave into the horror and how terrible it all was, you know, their survival rate was, was much higher. Uh, excuse me, their, their death rate was much higher because they'd given up hope, if you like. So it's, it's kind of proof positive what, what, you're, what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and again, if if I can go back a little bit, Paul. See, at the age of 23, I was living the American dream. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids, and all of that. And by society standards, I had succeeded. Within approximately a six and a half year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare. As I went through a divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, a deep, deep state of depression, I was even homeless for two years, living out of my car. And during the darkest period of my life, I received a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed looking across the room at my bookshelf when I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf had something to do with getting rich or making money. And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich? And simply figure out how to be happy. Now, as simplistic as that question may sound, it literally changed and saved my life in an instant. Something in me shifted, and all of a sudden, my depression lifted, and I had this amazing clarity that I was going to be able to rebuild my life, and it was going to become extraordinary. Now, this was before I started my spiritual journey. But as a result of asking that question, I stopped reading books on getting rich and making money. I started reading books on psychology and philosophy and spirituality and personal development. And I wanted this amazing process or this journey of transformation. And so that transformation began with me going to therapy and understanding how my childhood trauma was impacting my life as an adult. After healing some of those childhood wounds, then I started getting more involved into spiritual matters. And a quick story is that immediately after my divorce, because of my depression, I decided to go back to church. I was brought up Baptist, so it was all I knew. So I decided to go back to a Baptist church. I go back, and for a few months, it was okay. The church was pretty positive for the most part, but there were still all those unanswered questions I had from my childhood about the Baptist teachings. And so eventually, I got to a point where I couldn't. I couldn't keep lying to myself because I'm in a Baptist church, and I didn't believe most of the stuff they were saying. So I chose, and I asked the minister one day to meet me at the church because I said I had a question that I needed to ask him, and his answer to the question is going to determine whether or not I stay with his church. So I basically posed a hypothetical question to him. I said, look, imagine there are two people born at exactly the same time. One is born in poverty, one is born in wealth. Let's say the one that's born in poverty is what we'll call a bad person. He goes through life and does a bunch of bad things. The one that was born in wealth, just the opposite. Does wonderful things, just an amazing human being. So let's imagine that they die at exactly the same moment and they get to the pearly gates. So at the pearly gates, there's God. He's standing at the podium. He's got his book of life in the front. And he called the first guy up that was brought up in poverty. He looks at him. He says, how you doing? He said, I want to just kind of go over your life and see, you know, what you were up to. So he looks in this book of life, and the guy that was born in poverty, he's done all these bad things. So God looks at him and he says, well, there's some pretty awful things, but I'm a forgiving God. And if you'll accept my son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, I'll let you into heaven. The guy says, God, I'm sorry. I apologize. I accept your son. I get to come into heaven. So he goes in. So the next guy walks up, and God looks at him, and starts going through his book of life. He goes, hmm, wow, you were the model citizen. You are a perfect reflection of me. There's only one question. Do you accept my son Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And the guy looks at God and says, well, the truth is I can't do that because, first of all, I didn't even believe you existed. (laughs) So I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I accept your son because I didn't know you were real. And so God says, Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And you get to spend an eternity in hell. And so I looked at the minister and I asked him, I said, Is that how your God works? And he said, Absolutely. And I, (laughs) all of a sudden, years of frustration and anger came out. And I looked at the minister and I said, Look, with all due respect, that is the most idiotic insane thing I've ever heard. How in the world can you believe that a loving God would do something like that? I said I just can't wrap my mind around that and I am willing to risk spending an eternity in hell because I just don't believe that. And I walked out of the church and in that moment is when I became an atheist. Mm-hmm
1: traumatic story isn't it? and um you know it all hinges on this this idea uh, you know of taking Jesus christ as our our personal savior which of course a lot of more traditional you know church denominations do do that um and we have to ask ourselves what does that mean right is is it um just a sim- simplistic thing where we just admit that that without really knowing what the depth of that is, or if we take it a little deeper and you do in the book, there's a big difference, isn't there, between Jesus, the personality, the human part, and, and Jesus, the Christ, you know, the, the representative of the divine that's in everyone. So if, if we take the divine as our essence, um, you know, then that's a whole, a whole different thing to taking Jesus, the personality, as, as our Lord and Savior, right? Yeah, and
2: see, and that was the thing that always confused me, even as a kid. Because I always thought Christ was Jesus' last name, (laughs) you know, because my my grandparents would always say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. So as a kid, that's kind of what I thought. And I think a lot of people have that same perception that Christ is his last name. Well, after my years of research and finding my own truth and finding unity, I came to the understanding that Jesus was the Christed one. He was the personality, as you just mentioned, that God sent to show us how to access the Christ. The Christ is the divine Son of God, which I believe was the divine energy that was released the instant God set in motion this entire universe. And for me, just making that distinction really shifted how I see religion, how I see God, because now it made more sense to me that Jesus was a person, a live, real person, that came to teach us how to access our divinity.
1: And, you know, so if we come back to that story, you know, the the person who'd done good all his life was really embodying that principle, right? of Of the love, which is the Christ, and and so it'd be insane for him not to uh, not to go to 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 heaven, right? And and the bad guy, just because he said a few words at the end of his life, you know, then he supposedly was guaranteed heaven. That that makes no sense either, because there's no real change of heart there because uh, you know any of us can just uh, say something but it's how we put it into practice right jesus said that over and over again by by their fruits that you shall know them right it's it's by how you practice and put put into your life in, into everyday life these truths that we're talking about
2: yeah and and again in the book i talk about what i believe christianity is and for me christianity is the process through which we become Christ-like. And if we look at our lives and we look at all the challenges that we go through, then they'll, they'll, if we are on a spiritual path, we'll notice that we basically follow the metaphor of Jesus' life. And here's, here's what I mean by that. So for me, when I started this process and I started you know, gaining my spiritual connection, if you will, a part of me literally had to die. Which we'll call, I'll call that my ego self, so that part of me literally had to die, and that part that died, it was a process, though I had to again, I had to go to therapy, I had to start understanding psychology and spirituality. But that part of me that asked the question about, you know, um, stop reading books on making money and getting rich and start figure out how to be happy. See, I believe that was my Christ self that told me that. My Christ self is that part of me that actually woke me up to who I truly am. And so this this thing called Christianity is just a process that we go through when we actually wake up from the ego self, or what I call in the book the little S self, and we acknowledge and connect to the big S self. The big S self is our divinity. And we all have access to that. And to access it, I believe we go through this process and in the book I talk about Joseph Campbell the hero's journey. And for those who may not be familiar with the hero's journey, basically it's a it's a 12-stage process that Joseph Campbell put together that sort of to me explains the process of life. We go through these 12 stages. Well, in the book, I also talk about how Jesus' life paralleled the hero's journey, and I share those 12 stages in the book as a way of accessing true Christianity.
1: Right, and uh, yeah, I'm sure a lot of us are familiar with uh, the hero, you know, with a thousand faces, which is uh, Joseph Campbell's famous book, you know, where, where he laid out the uh, this universal journey, basically, because uh, it is a thousand faces, because... Each one of us goes through it, and and if you look at different religions, you'll see the same story, right? You you attribute it to to Jesus in the book because you you know you're, that's your particular interest, but I think you can see it in the in the uh, the life story of the Buddha and uh, Hindu deities and certainly mythologies, uh, Greek, Norse, you you name it. Um, even Star Wars, right, follows the same unfoldment. And I think you mentioned that in the book, too. You know, the, it's a hero's journey. And we're all on that journey um, from, you know, total innocence, right, uh, where we don't even know. We're, we're on a journey to uh, stepping over the threshold. Um, and, and it's wonderful because you can follow Jesus' whole life. Uh, he went through this this same um, uh, unfoldment, right? Until he came into his full understanding, and then it's of course we have to come back, right? we but we come back with a great gift, a new understanding, uh, and then we have to put it into practice. So it's never over, right, um, Michael? We know what, just because you've gone on this journey doesn't mean ah, that's it. I've done it now. No, that's just the beginning of how, how you then live from there.
2: Yeah, and you know it's interesting because for me, true spirituality. You know, when we talk about enlightenment, I guess a lot of times we might think that we, we're we going to get to this place, this finite point called I'm enlightened. Well, as you mentioned, I don't think there is such a place to get to. It is a process to engage in. And I, I think of it this way. So the journey of spirituality is like climbing up a mountain. Obviously, there's lots of paths up that mountain. Now, true enlightenment... Is when we get to the top of the mountain, we recognize that, wow, this is pretty awesome. But true spirituality says, if I become enlightened, it's my responsibility to help someone else become enlightened. So what do we do? We climb down the mountain and grab somebody and bring them back up the mountain with us. And so that's kind of how I see spirituality. So for me, I never dreamed of being a writer or a speaker. But as a result of my own journey, I discovered these unique gifts and talents, okay? And I recognize that God, as I understand it, is expressing through me as me. And so God says, look, I want you to go up the mountain and then come back down and bring somebody back up with you. And you continue this process. It's an ongoing process of eternity. But as human beings, our responsibility is to lift everyone up. And the way I try to lift people up is through my writing and speaking.
1: And hence this book, folks, uh, what if Jesus were a coach, uh, wonderfully inspirational um, writing. Um, Michael shares his own personal journey, uh, lays out tools for us. And we talked about the hero's journey. Um, there's other uh, tools for manifestation and for miracles, all, all kinds of things in, in this book. And the, the, that course the principles of changing a consciousness which we're f- familiar with in in unity uh practical ways of using the energy the divine intelligence the substance and, and source uh, of god uh, in our in our own lives cuz you know you say you know who is uh, what is god and one of the most important things we can can ask ourselves, obviously he's not that anthropomorphic man on a cloud you know But uh, you you reference the idea that God is energy a lot in the book and also that God is, uh, you know, pure consciousness. In other words, something that can't be pinned down, right? Something that's universal.
2: Yeah, if, if you can define God, I don't think you fully understand God. Because God is all there is, in my judgment, in my opinion, in my perception of it. But I think what we can do is have an intimate connection to God. And when we create that intimate connection, then we become divine expressions of God. And ultimately, I think that's our goal to, as Jesus said, first of all, seek first the kingdom. He said the kingdom was within us. He also said in order to enter the kingdom, we must first become as little children. So this process of connecting to God is a process of healing our traumas, our emotions, and connecting to that source, that source of all things. And as you mentioned, we all have access to that source. It is our responsibility to tap into it and recognize that we are simply divine expressions of the infinite.
1: And it comes back, I think, Quite well to the what you mentioned earlier with your bookshelf full of um, books about how to get rich you know sometimes we put that first instead of the the principle of truth first uh, or our life purpose first and and when we do that, when we seek first the kingdom and and the, the the purpose that we have for being alive on this planet, then all these things the money the the whatever else we need will be added in the right and perfect way. that's what Jesus is telling us, right? And I think that's the key to prosperity. You know, is take your mind off the money aspect um, and put your mind on, you know, what what do I need to fulfill in my life? Because I, I'm a big believer, once you know what you are here to do, the money flows, the energy flows to that, to provide for you. And you've told stories in your book about, you know, how money has showed up for you when you knew your divine purpose. And, and trusted that and had faith in that. Uh, and, and then things unfolded in ways you couldn't have ever worked out, right? You couldn't have planned it. Um, it, it was the miracle of, of the flow because we know what our purpose is.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because imagine that I'm sitting in the back of a car that I'm sleeping in, that I'm living out of, right? Laying in the back seat of my car. I had a bunch of little sticky notes, and I would write little things that I was grateful for on these sticky notes, stick them on the back seat. On one of the sticky notes, I wrote that I was going to become a best selling author. Now, I'd never written a book, didn't have any idea about a book or how to write a book, but there was a part of me that said I was going to become a best selling author. Another thing that I wrote on the back of the thing is that one day I would become a billionaire. Now, that's billionaire with a B, (laughs) and so imagine that I'm sitting in the backseat of a car because that's my house, and I'm writing, I'm having this vision, if you will, this idea that I could become a writer, a speaker, and a billionaire. So the question becomes, where did that idea come from? I believe ideas are the currency of the universe. And God is constantly sending us divine ideas to support us in finding our true purpose. And so as a result of me making a commitment to do my inner work, or shall I say enter the kingdom as Jesus said, as a result of doing that, I've learned, I have learned how to become a writer and author. I started my own publishing company. I also have a company that develops programs for kids, which I say one day will eradicate 70% of the violence among youngsters in the inner city. So just try to wrap your head around the idea that God said, look, Mike, I have some things I need you to do, but before you do that, I've got to take you through the wilderness so that first and foremost, you understand and trust me
1: right exactly whoops I, I hear the music i hear the music michael that means we're at the end okay. of the first break we're going to trust right that uh, these messages from unity are going to be fascinating and then we're going to know that the second half of this show is going to be great so join us in a couple of minutes uh.
0: let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from silent unity the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Promoting positivity and inclusivity. You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. We now return to World Spirituality with Rev. Paul John Roach.
1: So welcome back to today's show. I told you last week that my book was coming out imminently. And it's a ride, folks. The uh, the book is now out. It's official. You can buy it from unity.org. Uh, if you can go to my website at pauljohnroach.com, you can find the link on there to to get it. It should be up on Amazon in the next few days. They they're sending the the book over to those folks, and and uh, should be up. Uh, right now, it says it's up, but it says it's not. The books are not available, so. Just a bit of, a little patience on that, but it is available from uh, from Unity uh, itself. So, Unity and World Religions. I think you'll find it a fascinating read. It's the first of its kind um, in in Unity Publishing, and I connect the dots between the, the principles of Unity and all the teachings of the world's religions and the, the mystical thread of unitive oneness that's within within all all these teachings. So it should it should be an interesting book i believe um enjoy it um i'm with uh, another author michael taylor today we're talking about his latest book uh, what if jesus were a coach and in the book he's like we said earlier he shares a lot of um his own um difficulties and uh, from a mess to a success kind of thing and and yet the the mess was part of the process the the, the The difficulties were what grounded him in the truth that he has now. And I think this is true for all of us. If we can see everything as a gift, as part of that divine order we alluded to earlier, then we see that, "Ah, okay, um, it wasn't much fun, but I understand why I had to go through that. And I know in the book you'd say your divorce was one of the greatest miracles that happened for you, right?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I wrote a book called Adversity is Your Greatest Ally. (laughs) And in the book, what I basically say is what I believe is that every adversity brings us a gift and a lesson if we're willing to look deeply enough. Now, I think it's important for us to have the foundation of Unity's teachings, which says that there is a presence called love, God, if you will, uh, when you think about that concept, because if we believe and know with all of our heart that God is love, God can only do one thing, which is love us and so if we 're experiencing pain or or adversity in our lives, we simply disconnected from that love, and so we have to be willing to reconnect to that love and so as i as I reflect back over my life and I think about my divorce, as mentioned, it was the absolute best thing that ever happened to me because number one. I've known since I was 10 years old that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I started my first company when I was 14 years old. When I was in high school, I actually had three different companies. And so when I was married and I was living the quote unquote American dream, working for somebody else, there was a part of me that knew that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, which was to be my own boss, to have my own company. And so as a result of my divorce, I had to wake up. And as mentioned, during those times, I was pretty much an atheist, didn't believe in spirituality. I thought that the mind and science could answer all of my questions. And, and so it wasn't until I lost everything that I had to shift my focus from looking outside of myself to looking within. And I love the saying that if you don't go within, you will always go without. So I had to become willing to look within, look within my own heart and mind to see what it was that was keeping me from reaching my fullest potential, what was keeping me from accessing my divinity. And I was fortunate enough, blessed enough to, despite the adversities that I mentioned, to understand and recognize That during the darkest period of my life, during the most difficult times of my life, that loving presence was always there. And that loving presence was guiding me to this place where I am today. Now, this has been a 25-year journey for me, and I'm still on this amazing journey. As you mentioned, I don't think there's an end to it. Every adversity, if we look at it with an open heart and an open mind, and if we'll accept the idea that God is love, then God can only love. And we have to be willing to embrace that love and recognize that if we aren't feeling that love, we've disconnected from it. And it is our responsibility to reconnect to it.
1: Beautifully put. And in the spirit of expansiveness, we. We're going to bless your ex-wife, too, and know that that was the best for her as well, right? Because as we are raised up, as you mentioned earlier, we bless all people, including those folks in our lives, yeah?
2: Yes, and again, my my former wife and I have an extremely amicable relationship. As a matter of fact, we even used the same attorney to get divorced. We made a commitment that we were going to do the best we could as parents to our kids. And my three keys are well-adjusted and happy, and I still have a great relationship with them.
1: You know, you mentioned uh, the four keys to manifestation, and we talked about the, the first one earlier, which is enter the kingdom of God through your mind. You know, Seek God first, uh, and then believe that miracles are possible, um, and take action then to manifest your miracles. And then fourthly, give thanks to inter- divine intelligence, uh, be grateful for the flow. So let's talk about miracles. And you, you've, you've said that many things that have happened to you are like miracles. Uh, and you reference a, a number of Jesus' miracles in, the, in your book. For you, what is a miracle? What is a miracle?
2: Well, I, I, I love what the Course in miracle says when it says a miracle is just a shift in perception. And so I, I, I do want to share my miracle of finding Unity, uh, which I thought was pretty amazing because I was on this journey, just personal growth journey, and I was in this workshop called Lifespring. And in the after the workshop, this friend of mine came up to me and she asked me if I'd ever heard of Unity Church. And I said no. And I asked her, I said, "Is it a Christian church?" And she said, "Yes." And I said, I'm not interested. (laughs) I said, I'm sorry. I've had enough of those Christians and I'm, if it's Christian based, I'm not interested. She says, Michael, you're the most positive person I've ever met in my life. She says, and they're just like that at unity. She says, you know, they're so positive. Sometimes I can't even go because they're so positive. She says, but you would sit right in. And I said, well, I appreciate that. But once again, eh, I'm not too interested in Christianity. Well, The very next day, I'm at home. I'm sitting at my table flipping through a phone book, which tells you how long ago that's been. I'm flipping through this phone book, and my phone rings. I get up to answer the call, and I knock the phone book off of the table. It falls on the floor. I leave it on the floor. I walk over to the phone. I pick up my call, hang up the phone, walk back to the table. I pick up the phone book, and I place it on the table and there at the top of the page was an advertisement for Unity Church. Now, I had, I was more agnostic at the time. I wasn't quite atheist because I started reading some New Age stuff, and I just knew that there was no accidents. And I said, wow, the universe is speaking to me. Maybe I need to look into this thing called Unity. Now, I knew absolutely nothing about it, but because of those circumstances, I said, well, why don't I have to just call them? So I called the church. It turns out they were like 10 blocks from my house. And so the following Sunday, I said, well, I think I'll go check it out. So I go to the church. And, Paul, I wish I could put this into words, but there's no way I can, but I'll just say this. The moment I stepped into the church, I mean, the moment I crossed the threshold into that church, it was as if my soul just screamed with delight. I had this feeling come over me that I, I can't explain. It's just like my soul intuitively knew it was the place I had been searching for my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I, knew nothing ab- I knew I knew nothing about what they taught. I just walked into the place. So I walk into the church. I'm looking around. Just kind of seeing what's – now, I'm the type of person, when I go to a place, I like sitting on the front row <laughs> because I'm, I really get engaged. So I walk up to the front of the church, and I sit down. The minister comes up. It just so happens she's a female, which I thought was really cool because in Baptist church, you didn't have women ministers. So she's a female. And the first thing she says is, let's do a meditation. Now, I had picked up meditation a couple of years prior to that, But when I was with the Baptist church, we were taught that if you were meditating, that you were trafficking with the devil. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I'm in a Christian church and they're meditating? Wow, this is different. So we do a little meditation, which obviously just hooked me. But then she gave one of those sermons where you just know God was speaking directly to you. The message was so perfect. For me and where I was in my journey and I was like okay I get it this is the place that I've been looking for all of my life and after going to that service I left and I grabbed all their booklets and stuff and I started reading about unity and how it came about and and I just became committed to the teachings now at the same time I was still struggling financially and so I had to move and leave Houston to go live with my brother in Austin just so happens there was a unity church up in Austin that I absolutely loved because the the minister there, she had a one o'clock service and during the one o'clock service you could actually raise your hand and ask questions during her sermon, which was, I just thought was so amazing. And I just you know, I just really dove head first into the unity teachings. And as a matter of fact, I contemplated becoming a unity minister at one time, but then I realized that you don't have to be a minister to have a ministry and so my ministry now is my speaking and writing
1: that's a wonderful story isn't it and i know a lot of people uh as a minister myself you know that have shared similar experiences that they've walked into a unity church and felt you know i've come home i don't know why but there's some energy there and and that's wonderful. And of course, that doesn't just happen in unity. I think it's if you're in your right and perfect place, you know, you know, you know, that, that that's that's the place for you. Um, so you know, you mentioned um, Albert Einstein's quote on miracles. You know, there's two ways to look at life uh, as if everything's a miracle or if nothing's a miracle. And again, we get to choose. Right. You can say, oh, well, that was a coincidence or, oh, well, that wasn't anything. Or you can say, yes, it was, that was amazing, um, that that was just right for me. And it depends who you are and how you want to show up to life, right? Um, if you all, sure. only uh, see the cynical things, um, you know, and see the the, the problems, you know, I guess the cup's uh, half empty as opposed to half full, right? Um, it's just a different attitude. The cup's the same, but the water's in it, it's the same. But but uh, our response to it is totally totally different and and hence everything changes as a result of that because it is not an outside job like you said it's an inside job you know how do i how do i perceive it How do how do i creatively use uh the the gifts and talents that, that, that god has given me um you talk also about um evolution of consciousness and you've got a chart in the book from uh david hawkins who wrote that uh, wonderful book um power versus force right that uh, flowing with the energy of the universe rather than forcing it to happen.
2: Yeah, and, and let's proceed that with, with Albert Einstein's quote about everything is energy. You remember what he said, everything is energy, that's just the way that it is, match the frequency right. of the reality that you want to create, and there's no way you can't create that reality. And then he said, this isn't philosophy, this is physics. So there's a science, I believe, behind spirituality, and that science is everything is energy. And if we can connect and wrap our minds around that energy and understand that when we're feeling good, it means we're connected to the divine energy. If we're feeling bad, we're simply disconnected from it. But the energy is always there. We get to choose, as you just said. We get to choose whether we're connected or disconnected. Now, in the movie The Matrix, remember The Matrix when you had the choice between the red pill and the blue pill? Right. You, you, you've seen that movie, right? Well, see, I
0: believe...
1: I, I have it.
2: So, yeah, the greatest gift we receive as human beings is the power of choice or free will. I believe that's the greatest gift. So we always have free will. We always have the power to choose how we perceive and interpret the things that are happening in our lives. And with that gift, it gives us the power to make different choices if we are feeling bad quote unquote negative feeling we have the power to choose to feel a different way how do we do that we shift our perceptions and interpretations of what we're seeing if we will buy into the idea that god is love if we choose to see things through love then we are connected to that divine energy
1: It sounds simple, and it is simple, but it's not easy sometimes. You know, it's difficult to to practice, right? Uh, but it's very worthwhile because um, it's easy to slip back into old ways of thinking, being conditioned by the outside world, and you know, worrying about COVID or, in our present case, the invasion of uh, Ukraine um, and a million other things that are going on in our world at any given time and a million things that are going on in our own personal lives, right? Um, but to keep the faith, to remember that um, there is a higher plan here, and and always to be loving and expansive. I personally think there's only two choices in life, you know. You're either contracting or, or you're expanding, right? Uh, if you're expanding, you're entering into the universal energy of God. If you're contracting, you're feeling like I'm cut off from my source. You know, I'm poor, pitiful me. It's the... Like you mentioned, it's the little s self, you know, versus the larger s self. And, and you know, the large self, the spirit, is capable, right? The small s is uh, incapable so often, you know, feels hard done by. So, you know, you choose, right? Again, coming back to that choice, how, who, do you, who do you choose to be in on any given day, expanding or contracting?
2: Yeah, and, and that's just another way of saying. Are you feeling positive? Or are you feeling negative? Now positive negative isn't good or bad. It's not a judgment.
1: together let's uh, let's put some feet on this but people who are saying you know i believe this this is wonderful and i'm really excited that michael's been able to do that uh, transformation in those 25 years but i need some guidance this week um something practical that i can apply in my life so what what would you tell the, you know those folks what would you tell us that uh, would be the most helpful thing we can do this particular week
2: Well, for me, it starts with two things. First and foremost, I cannot emphasize enough the power of meditation and silence. For me, everything I do, um, is built on the foundation of being silent and being connected to source. I don't believe there's any other way to connect to divine intelligence other than through meditation and prayer. So it begins there. Secondly, I'm a huge proponent of gratitude list. When I was homeless and had nothing, I always found something to be grateful for. And here's the amazing thing about being human. If you're depressed, if you have a thought about gratitude, something you're grateful for, gratitude and depression can't coexist in the same space. If we will learn to be grateful, and write down some things that we're grateful for. Even in the midst of depression or frustration, that opens a gap, a space for love to flow through. So finding something to be grateful for that you can, I mean, because there's always, always something you can be grateful for. I don't care what your situation is, there's something to be grateful for. And if you can simply shift your attention somewhat away from things that aren't working to the things you're grateful for it begins to shift the energy it begins to shift you into connecting to source and when we do that then we will be guided to next steps
1: great advice Um, and i've got one more question i want to tell people about next week's show and then i'll come back with the with the question Um, Next week, Keith uh, G. Lowenstein, um, an integrative um, mental health uh, private practice physician and teacher of meditation and yoga joins me. He's going to talk about Kriya Yoga uh, for self-discovery practices for deep states of meditation. So if you're interested in Kriya Yoga from that Hindu tradition, being practiced in, in America today in a, in, in a health care professional way, um, that should be interesting. So join me for that. Um, my final question uh, for you, uh, Michael, is, is to talk about coach. You know, uh, we, we didn't really get to that. did we? What, what, what if Jesus were a coach? What, a coach is somebody that encourages and mentors others, right? And, and you've had many mentors in your life. You, you talk about them in the book. And obviously you, you desire to be a mentor and a coach to, to others. Why is a coach necessary? If, if we have the divine spark within us, why do I need a coach?
2: Well, if you, if you think about athletics, I don't care which superstar you think about, be it LeBron James, Tom Brady, uh, Serena Williams, every amazing sports figure has a coach. Why? Because a coach helps us see the things about ourselves that we can't see, that we can shift so that we can become the best version of ourselves. Jesus came to teach us how to access our divinity. And so I use that title because for me, Jesus used to be a really negative word for me. And so religion and Christianity were all negative experiences for me. So I said, what if you removed all the religious dogma and doctrine from Jesus' life and looked at him as a life coach who came to teach us how to live an extraordinary life, because I think that's why he showed up. And so this book is just an opportunity to see it as such. Drop the religious dogma and doctrine. Drop all the negativity. Look at it from a very powerful, positive perspective that Jesus was the ultimate life coach that came to give you the tools to create an extraordinary life. And through his teachings, we can create anything. We can be, do, or have anything our heart desires.
1: And, you know, I see Jesus a bit like a Zen master. You know, his teachings were often in short aphorisms. You know, sometimes he liked to use paradox. Um, he, He was not really an ethical teacher, you know, teaching morals, he was a spiritual teacher teaching inner change and when you when you change in that way at depth, then you you do the right thing, you always do the moral thing uh but we've unfortunately we turned Jesus into this um dogmatic teacher right um that he that I don't think he ever was that that wasn't his emphasis his emphasis was uh, like you said total tra- transformation for people, you know encouraging people to really live a, a deeper life yes.
2: Yeah, two two powerful lessons that he said that really resonates with me. First of all, he said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. So he knew he was serving a higher calling, his father, if you will. Secondly, he said, and this is is something that I never heard in the Baptist church. He said, some of you standing here will not taste death before you enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, you don't have to die to get to heaven. Heaven can be experienced right here, right now, if we're open our hearts and minds to it.
1: And again, that's powerful, powerful teaching, isn't it? Because um, yeah. it's, it's not something after we die. It's, it's available to us right now. And that's Absolutely. a dangerous teaching. That's a dangerous teaching if you're trying to control people, because, uh, you know, if you tell them heaven's going to come, but, you know, if you if you act the right way for us, you know, do the right things by my denomination, then you can get to heaven. But this is a radical teaching that, uh, you know, says, no, I'm claiming my good right now. And and that's 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 very different. And um, and it's hard to do sometimes, you know, because Arico gets hold of it and says, "Ooh, I'm in charge, you know, and, and no. As you mentioned earlier, there's a humility that comes, right? We, something has to die. Something has to go. And that's your small sense of self so, so that you can truly enter the kingdom because you can't enter through your ego, right?
2: Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's the goal. The, the, the question becomes, for me, and this is Michael Taylor, how can I become, and I, I, I took this from Neil Donald Walsh, How can I I become the grandest version of the greatest vision I hold for myself as a human being? I love that quote. How can I become the grandest version of the greatest vision I hold for myself? Well, for me, if I follow the teachings of Jesus, he laid the foundation on how to do that (laughs) because he wanted us to become the grandest version of ourselves. And so when we apply his teachings to our lives, I believe it's possible.
1: That's beautiful, and that's a great way to end our show. I want to thank uh, Michael Taylor so much for being with us today. If people want to get hold of you, you got a website, Michael.
2: Yeah, if they go to dot com, they can actually get a free chapter to see if the message resonates with them. Get a feel for what I'm writing about and my writing style and the message in it. And if they're moved and feel resonated with the message, then they can pick up a copy of the book. Jesus excellent a coach.com
1: Got it. Thanks again for listening, folks. And have a great week. Bye-bye now.